My name is Gene. I am one of the preachers here at Grace Fellowship Church. Welcome. We're so glad to have you, especially if you're visiting. A special welcome to you. I was looking through my ties this morning and thought that I never wore my Penn State tie, ever. I graduated four years ago, so I had to break that out. This morning we'll be in Exodus 31. Go ahead and turn there. If you have a, a church Bible, it's on page 47. Many religions are about humans trying to make their way to God. But Christianity is about God making his way to us. Other religions, they focus on what you need to do in order to earn favor with God or reach enlightenment or make up for the evil that you've done by doing good. But in Christianity, God knows that we can't reach him on our own. And in his mercy, he chooses to come save us. In other religions, you climb the ladder to God. But in Christianity, God descends the ladder to come save us. To come dwell with us, live with us, sacrifice for us. If it were up to us, we wouldn't make it to God. We can't climb the ladder. But because it's up to God, we know that his salvation is sure. Today we'll read about an aspect of this, of God coming down to dwell with us. God bringing heaven to earth. That's the title in your outline, heaven to earth. This morning, here's our main idea. Our special God equips his people with special work and special time. Our special God equips his people with special work and special time. And you'll see on your outline, special work, special time, and we'll close with special God. So here in the Exodus narrative, we are at a climax in the tabernacle instruction text. And because we're at a climax, I'm going to take some time, some of our time this morning, and zoom out, consider the whole section. If you're new with us this morning or you're visiting, welcome again. We have been going as a church through the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible. And here in the story, Moses, God's, uh, the leader of God's people, is meeting with God on a mountain. And he's getting instructions from God about God's tent or God's tabernacle that he wants built among his people so that he can dwell among his people, among Israel. So, let me pray for us and then we can look at special work. Father, we bow before you this morning and we thank you for your word. Thank you for this church and the opportunity to know you together. We ask, Lord, that you bless our time this morning. Please help us to see what Exodus 31 meant for the Israelites and what it means for us today. Thank you for Jesus, and we pray for your blessing in his name. Amen. Okay, let's look at special work. I'm going to read the first 11 verses of chapter 31. Like I said, it's on page 47. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, 
the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Oholiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan. And I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony and the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furnishings of the tent, the table and its utensils and the pure lampstand with all its utensils, and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, and the basin and its stand and the finely worked garments, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons, for their service as priests, and the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense for the holy place. According to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. So here in this first section, we get two men named Bezalel and Oholiab. Bezalel gets a special gift from God. Verse 3, I have filled him with my spirit. Bezalel gets something special from God, God's holy, special spirit. And then Oholiab and all men, all able men are mentioned. All these together, they make up the tabernacle team, the team that is going to take the instructions and make the tent. So why has God raised these up? Verse 6, that they may make all that I have commanded you. Everything that we've read about since chapter 25, the tents, the ark, the mercy seats, the table, the lampstand, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, the basin, the finely worked garments for the priests, the anointing oil, the incense, everything. This is the, this is the big finale. Everything has been laid out in meticulous detail. Chapter 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, and now we're at 30, 31. They have everything that they need. I was in Pittsburgh this past week visiting my parents, and I put aside my office job and worked the land for a week. And at one point we were laying grass seed and grass sod, and I was making sure that we had everything that we needed, the sod and the seed and the rake and the pickaxe and the peat moss and the soil and the hay. And eventually we had everything we needed. We just needed to start working. And so it is here in Exodus. They have everything, all the instructions now that they need. And they're ready to get started. As soon as Moses descends the mountain. So why is this here? Why is this in Exodus? Let me give you two reasons. One, it shows that God is the one who equips. God sends His Spirit. And He even equips these men with creativity and knowledge and skill. Without God sending these things and giving these things, the tabernacle would not happen. So God is the one who equips. Reason two, God is 
is relocating things in the tabernacle or with the tabernacle. God is taking something vertical and He's making it horizontal. Vertically in space you have God in heaven coming down on the mountain and He's meeting Moses on the mountain in the middle. And below the mountain you have the hundreds of thousands of Israelites. If you take that and you turn it horizontally, you get the tabernacle. You get God at the very center. The the most holy place of the tabernacle. And then out from there, you get where God meets with man, where He meets with the priests and where the priests minister. And then out from there, you get the, the courts of the tabernacle where all Israel could come and see God. And so God is, is taking this, what's happening vertically and making it horizontal. Our special God, He equips people with, with His Spirit and He equips with special work. That's not all he, he does though. Let's look at special time. God also equips His people with special time. And I'll start reading at verse 12 and finish the chapter. And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And he gave to Moses, when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. So Moses has the tablets and he's ready to descend the mountain, but we're going to focus primarily on the Sabbath idea. Before I, I get started, why don't, we, uh, why don't I define sanctify for us? Sanctify means to set apart as special. It can mean other things in the Bible, but in this passage, it means to set apart as special. So, at the start, before Moses leaves, God says, one more thing, Moses, I need to tell you. Here's what I want you to say to the people. Verse 13, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, Israel. Why? For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. To what end? That you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. So the chief end of the Sabbath, them keeping the Sabbath, is that they would know that the Lord is the one who sanctifies them. That they may know that He is the one who sets them apart as special. You do not set yourself apart as special. I 
set you, you apart as special. God is the one who sanctifies. God is the one who makes this sanctification possible. So, why does the Lord stress the Sabbath in this way? Again, He wants to know and make clear and make sure they know that He is the one who does the work of setting apart. If we keep going, our attention is is directed to verse 15, which is the very focus of that paragraph. Verse 15, six days shall work be done, but the seventh is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. And God wants to focus here on the fact that the Sabbath is special. It is holy to him. It is different from the other days of the week. Just as God's people are set apart from the other people of the world, so the Sabbath is set apart from the other days of the week. When you determine when you're going to take vacation in the year, you're doing something similar to this. You're saying, family, work, I'm looking at this week or this two weeks. And these two weeks are going to be special. I'm I'm going to do something different. The Lord is doing something very similar here. He's doing it with a day of the week. So our God, He equips His people with special time. Let's talk about our special God. And here's where I want to zoom out a bit and consider the whole tabernacle instruction section. Chapter 25 all the way through this chapter, chapter 31. And I mentioned at the beginning that we're at a climax here in the text. The grand finale of all the details that we need for the tabernacle. And since the beginning of the tabernacle instructions, a phrase has come up seven times. A single phrase marking the the beginning of seven different sections. The phrase is this. The Lord said to Moses. Now you might think, okay, I could just overlook that. That's a narrative detail. But hang with me. Since chapter 25, it has come up seven times. Once in 25, four times in chapter 30, and now we see it twice in this chapter. Verse 1, verse 12, we've got seven. How many days are in a week? Seven. How many times has this come up? Seven. What's the final one about? about the Sabbath. Do you see the connection? The connection to Genesis here, though it's buried deep, is super clear. The Lord worked for six days and He rested on the seventh back in Genesis. And now here in Exodus, the Lord is establishing the work that He wants His people to do for six days and then rest on the seventh. Verse 17, it is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and on the seventh day He rested and was refreshed. Do you see what's happening? The Lord wants His people to image Him. Image Him in the work that He did in creating things. Image Him in the rest that He pursued on the seventh day. 
Israel, I want you to work on the tabernacle for six days, create and form and carve and all that. And then on the seventh, I want you to rest. In fact, if you don't rest, you will die. I want you to create this place of co-dwelling where God and man can live together for six days. And then on the seventh, I want you to take a break. Does that sound like Eden? The Garden of Eden? A place of co-dwelling where God and man live together? Israel, I want you to image me. So why would the Sabbath remind the people that it is the Lord who sanctifies? Think about it. If you go a whole bunch of days working as an Israelite and you never take a break, you might start to think that you're pretty awesome. That you set yourself apart. Maybe even that God needs you. No. So what the Sabbath does is it forces them to take a rest. No matter how badly they want to keep working on the tabernacle, it forces them to stop. And with that day, they are reminded of the God who sanctifies. They are reminded of the God who has given them the talent to do work on the tabernacle. And it it reminds them of God being the one who sanctifies. The one who sets apart. Our God is a special God and he calls his people to image him. He is the one who sanctifies. In closing, let's consider how this all connects to Jesus Christ and how we can apply this to our lives. So, Jesus first. Jesus to us as Christians, He is all of these things. He is special work. He is special time. He is our special God. Jesus is our special work. He Descended the ladder, rolled out from heaven, and he came to do the work that the Father gave him. To die in the place of sinners. Jesus is our special time. The Sabbath, it's all about finding rest in the midst of your your labor. And Jesus is that ultimate rest. You can rest in Jesus for salvation. And Jesus, He is our special God. Jesus claimed many times to be God in a variety of ways. And then He proved it by rising from the grave. And where we image Him, we we image God in imperfect ways, bits and pieces here and there. Jesus imaged God perfectly because He is God. And so I invite you, if you or a non-Christian this morning, I invite you to trust in this Jesus for your salvation. So what does this mean for the life of us in the church? Application number one I want to offer is this. Consider if God would have you take a Sabbath. And I know that there is there's disagreement in the church over whether or not we should do this on this side of Christ. And so I'm not going to take a hard stance, but I'm going to share what I find helpful. And I'll ask you a few questions. So question number one, would taking a Sabbath, would that force you to trust 
and to know more deeply that God is the one who sanctifies you? Would it remind you that the Lord is the one who sets you apart? It's not yourself. It's not your work for Him. It's not how good-looking you are or how smart you are. It's God. It is the Lord who has picked you out of the world and deemed you as special if you are a believer in Christ. If this would help you, I, I would recommend taking a Sabbath. Taking a day of rest once a week. Personally, I'm a workaholic, so I find the Sabbath simultaneously painful and instructive. It's painful because I want to keep working. I want to keep churning away and proving to God that I set myself apart. But it's instructive because it it reminds me of the truth of the Bible that God is the one who has sanctified me. He is the one who has set me apart. If you know me, I'm not a nap person at all. Sleeping in the middle of the day doesn't really quite make sense to me. So I don't normally nap, but on Sundays, Sundays are special days. I will nap on Sundays. I will lay down on my couch and close my eyes, won't set the alarm. And when I wake up, I wake up. It's a special day. I use the Sabbath to remind me that God is the one who sanctifies. So I encourage you there. Ask God if he would have you do this. Children, I have a special secret mission for you. If you see mommy or daddy working really, really hard on Sunday, you could ask them, Mommy, Daddy, why are you working so hard? It's Sunday. And it doesn't mean that they're, it might not mean that they're doing anything wrong, but it's a question that you could ask them. Mommy, Daddy, why are you working so hard? It's Sunday. So let me flip the coin. Maybe you're awesome at, t- at keeping the Sabbath. Maybe you're a champ at setting aside that day. If that has you feeling pretty good about yourself, let me caution you. Be careful. Be careful. Because it is not your Sabbath keeping that gets you to God. You cannot climb the ladder to God by your good deeds. You need Help. You need rescue. You need Jesus. And so I encourage you, continue taking a Sabbath if it deepens your trust in Jesus. Okay, last application I want to offer for this morning. Have hope. Have hope. In many senses, this text Exodus 25, all the way through 31, it is about the reunion of heaven and earth. It is about the tabernacle and God coming down to meet those on the earth. A way for the sinless God to be with sinful people. And it is beautiful, but ultimately it is a picture of what is to come. The final, the ultimate, the glorious reuniting of heaven and earth. When Jesus returns from the sky and when the heavens are burned up and the earth is burned up and the old is done away with and when the earth is remade, the new heaven will come down and be reunited with the new earth. 
where God will dwell with His people forever. In a final, glorious way, God will come again to dwell. And so as you go through ups and downs in life, as you struggle, as you go through hard times and failures and letdowns, as you experience good seasons, seasons of blessing even, let this tabernacle remind you of what's to come. The reuniting of heaven and earth that is promised. The God who has promised to come and dwell with us once more. So, have hope. Let me pray for us. Oh, Father, we look forward to the day when You will come to dwell with us once more. And Father, You are a special God. You have made us special by the sending of Your Spirit and by the work of Your Son, Jesus. We rest in Him. We rest in the work that He accomplished for us on the cross. And Father, would You guide us as a church. Help us to know how to spend our Sabbaths. Help us to have hope in the promise of heaven and earth being reunited. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.